Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. We have been speaking a lot about the passing of Shane Warne, uh, but today we had set out to do a very different show, Britt. We had uh, set out to do the Ladies on the Lounge edition in celebration of International Women's Day, which is on Tuesday, uh, the 8th of March. And and one of the people that we were really keen to speak to, she is so lovely that she's given up her Saturday morning to come in here uh, and still some massive links, I think, when we're, we're talking about a sporting community and how they can help you through a really difficult time. Yara Davies, welcome to the Tab Touch Lounge. Morning, Britt. Morning, Alana. Thank you for having me. Thanks, thanks for coming in. Oh, thanks for being here. It is a bit of a strange morning, but you've got an extraordinary story. I guess to start with, tell us a little bit about your background in harness, how you got involved and how long you have been involved. Um, it all started with dad when I was a little kid. He used to take me down to Tom Charles, Kevin Charles's father, um, in Inaloo, back when there was stables there. And I used to go there with him all the time and, uh, try and get involved as much, but I could barely walk at that stage, but I wanted to be amongst it all. Um, then we started going to Colin Brown's and, uh, we, he took me there and I started off, uh, like brushing the horses and everything to start to lead them. And then eventually he let me sit on the jog cart with him and I'd be waving at dad. He'd be having a meltdown that something was going to happen <laughs> and um yeah and then I got older and dad was like oh you know like there's life outside of horses and I was like oh okay Brit's so, like is there is there, yeah. is there? <laughs> <laughs> so I tried like I um I did accounting uh, I worked at a coffee shop I tried all that and I was like I just I'm so bored. I like being outside. It's There's a lure with a horse, yeah. isn't there? They just draw you back in. Yeah. Once you love them, you're gone. Like, mm. your life's so It's fun. like a little bug. It <laughs> infects you and then you're just you're stuck with them for life. And yeah. and therefore you kept pursuing that and etched out a career in harness? Yeah. I um, left my jobs and uh, a good friend of mine, Rob Abercrombie, his dad had a small uh, team in Swan Valley and he needed someone to go help him. And I was like, well... It's now or never. So I started there and um, he had an old horse, time is ticking, and he put me out on him on the fast work track and said, off you go, like, see if you like this. And it was the biggest thrill of my life. I didn't go fast at all, but I thought I was flying. <laughs> and then I was hooked. So um, I got my own horse while I was at Craig's. I went through the school um, and I still have that horse now. He's 13 years old, living oh. life in Boyan Up with Debbie Prentice. Oh, a life of luxury and <laughs> yeah. retirement. Yeah, literally. <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, I just, I was hooked. So I started driving for Craig and then, uh, my, uh, future just expanded from there. Mm, What's so, been your biggest thrill in the sulky? Uh, definitely the Trotters Cup, the group one Trotters Cup on Sunny's Little Wiz. That was phenomenal because it was uh pacing cup night. So the whole Gloucester Park was full and I, I remember all my friends screaming my name. I cried. Oh, and it was cried like, as he crossed the line? I saluted then. I hadn't, I hadn't sunk in. And then I saw my little mate Jimmy Howell that owns the horse and I cried when I saw him because I just knew what it meant to them. 
Well, you, you're in the midst of carving out this amazing career, but then just days around your 30th birthday, a bombshell moment. Tell us what happened then. Yeah, like life, well, it wasn't really normal. COVID had hit, so everyone was in sort of panic and I was like, oh, I'm turning 30 before the world changes. Well, let's, we went to the casino, went and party, like life was, you know, I was like, oh, before everything changes, well, I didn't think it was going to change that much. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'd just started at Gary Hall Seniors. I'd been there a month and... I was all settled into my new house and then I met, or well, I'd already knew Michael, but we become close and formed a relationship. Um, and then two weeks later, uh, we, he found a lump in my breast. Wow. So he's found the lump in your breast and you've gone to get that checked out and your worst fears get confirmed. Yeah. Well, I actually, as soon as I felt it, I, I had that feeling. I knew exactly what it was because I've got the uh, BRCA1 genes. Right. So my chances were always higher than... Um, a everyday person, but they told me to worry about that when I was 30. Well, mm, there was 30. Yeah, 30 hit. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I went uh, the next day. Luckily, my best friend, Christy Shea, she works in the doctor, so she got me straight in. I went, like, I think it was 10 o'clock at night after the trots. I was like, I can't wait. Oh. Went in, yeah, went in and got tested. And, uh, yeah, within three days, they had me in there sitting me down, telling me um, – what was ahead? Is it like the movies when they sit you down and how do they reveal that diagnosis to you? Were there people around you? Um, yeah, Christy come in with me because I was, I hadn't, well, I told my parents sort of what was going on. Michael knew what was going on, obviously, but I was at that stage. I was like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. Like, don't stress. And uh, so Christy come and sat with me. So I wasn't alone. And um, I knew. And as soon as I sat down, she goes, this isn't good. I said, just, just hit me with it. Just tell me what's happening. And and she said, it's stage three, it's aggressive, like, it's it's not good. And the first thing I said was, do I get new boobs? <laughs> well, if only that was the consolation part. It was. Yeah, it was. I mean, but that is just so much to process when, when you, you know, yeah. 30th birthday, you're in the midst of building a successful career. Tell us a little bit about how I guess the next six months played out because you were under, you know, pretty intense treatment and that was having a, a pretty big effect on your life. Yeah, well, I literally, I didn't, don't think I really got time to process it. Like I walked out the doctor's surgery that day and just cried and I couldn't speak. I couldn't get it out. And the worst part for me was trying to tell anyone. Like my parents, I couldn't even tell them. My sister had to tell them because I just couldn't do it. And then my friends and that, I was like, how do you face them? So I, I was chicken with a lot of it and did it behind the phone because the initial reactions is that what is what got me the most. It was actually worse than getting diagnosed because they like I felt for them there was nothing I could do. You felt like you could handle it, but you didn't want to put yeah, that burden on literally, them. Literally, I literally wanted to go in hiding for a year so that no one else had to deal with it because like the way it hurt my mum and dad. Oh mm. yeah, and Michael, <laughs> we'd been together two weeks and he walked in and cried, and I was like, why do you care so much? Kiara, <laughs> I know. I'm like, <laughs> But it was just, you know, I don't know. I just didn't think people cared that much. Like I know people do, but you feel like it affects you and it's your world. But then to see the way it affects other people is just insane. And you went from being obviously really, I guess, coy about not wanting to tell people yourself to along your journey and being really public on social media. Was that a really helpful tool for you to be able to, one, inform everyone and and have a place where you were kind of, one, inspiring people, two, educating people and also receiving a lot of support back towards you? Yeah, I found that's the best thing I've done throughout my journey because even now I'm still helping people that are going through it and they will reach out to me, whereas 
I find like when I first got diagnosed, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where mm. to go or what to, but I've just tried to help people. So they learn and cause you just never know until you experience it, someone close, you literally don't know what to expect. And there's so many things that can help other people get through and they just, I'd like the doctors tell you the basics of things, but there's only so much they can, you know, write down and say, this is, this is what you do. But I'm really glad that I shared it because it's opened up a lot of people. And since that, I know people that have gone and got checked mm-hmm. and things and found small things that could have been a large thing. And it hasn't because they've, they've gone and done something about it. And they come up to me and say, oh, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have gone and worried about it. Mm. I mean, the sporting community, the harness community in particular, that wrapped their arms around you and sort of helped you through that time. Uh, last year, it was the Ladies of Pacing lunch, uh, and I was emceeing that, and, and you got up and shared your story, and I don't think there was a dry eye at Fraser's Restaurant. You had everyone in tears, but everyone, it seems like the sporting community, that's where it can really help in in times of adversity, and they really were so lovely to you and, and very supportive. How did you sort of find all of that? It was very overwhelming. At first, it was a lot to take in. And mm. I sort of hid from everyone for a bit because it was confronting, you know, that everyone just wanted to do their best. And they, but as soon as I saw them, they'd like in your face and you're like, just give me a minute. Like, I don't, I don't know what to say to you. I don't know what to do. But it was just unreal. Like, I had that much support. Um, even financially, they fundraised for me. And I w- literally would not have got through my treatment without it because you just don't realise the ongoing cost. And the financial implications are massive and I think huge. that is a, a real point that people don't talk about because I've got a friend who was diagnosed breast cancer at 32 and that was one of the things that she said everyone sort of wants to be there and they'll help you but the financial implications, not being able to work, not being able to you know, do the career that you were setting yourself up to do and a lot of the times when you're in that younger age bracket you haven't thought about life insurance or income protection insurance or any of those things uh, and that's something that that really needs to be discussed more. Yeah I 100% agree with that like uh, everyone says I'll oh, go through the public system you know that that saves that but I personally couldn't because I wanted my own team like because I had the same oncologist the whole way through and mm. I don't think I could have handled that otherwise well that's obviously a personal choice um, but they just people just don't realize like I lost everything like I couldn't even drive myself down the shops mm. I did one day and I fainted and Michael had to come get me. So I was barred from that for a while. What was the hardest part then in terms of like, obviously you said your pet talking to your parents about it or telling them that was really difficult. But for you personally, what was the hardest part of uh, your journey? My independence. Yeah. Because I, I like to just be able to do things myself. So having to ask people yeah. to, to do things for me all the time was really hard, like my family live in Kingsley and I was living in Beldivis at the time and they would drive from Kingsley to Beldivis to pick me up, take me to Hollywood and take me back like for chemo and all that. And like that, I was like, I'll just catch an Uber because I, I just hate having to put people out that much. But they would take days off work and they just wouldn't even hesitate. Mm. And how much did horses get oh. you through this time? Because I think, uh, you know, Brit has grown up around horses. I personally haven't. I've fallen in love with them later in life through no sort of family connection whatsoever. But the therapeutic qualities uh, that they have and how they're able to help you through uh, such a difficult time, what was that like for you? Oh, they helped enormously. I was very Mm. lucky. Senior let me go out there whenever I wanted. Even I was just sitting on a chair watching them Mm. go around. Like every day that I could get out of bed, I was down there 
trying to help and that. I was always getting told off because I was trying to do things and I actually jogged a horse in the middle of chemo because I was like, I just want to feel free. Like, just please let me feel normal. And that was the best day of my life between it all because I just felt normal. It's just incredible. How are you now? <laughs> yeah, I'm okay. I'm still on hormone treatments, so, which has its side effects, but honestly, I can't complain. Like, I'm still in remission. I'm so lucky. Like, there's people that aren't as lucky as I am, but... I've just got to have, I've got some more preventative surgeries to have um, and just obviously monitoring and appointments all the time. But in general, I'm, yeah, I'm good. You're now playing a role in trying to help others. And we know of the harness racing community, they were so supportive of you. And now there's another battle that is faced and that's little Noah. Tell us a little bit more. Oh yeah, little Noah. Um, I'm very good friends with Pearl and Michael George and their little Three-year-old Noah has been diagnosed with leukemia and honestly that upset me more than my own diagnosis Mm. because I knew what I went through and I was like, how's this Mm. little kid going to go through this? Like, It's just not fair. And uh, But they have just been unreal with how they've handled it and the support from the community, again, just Mm. phenomenal. And yeah, they're just, they're not alone and they know that, but yeah, he's doing so well um, for a little boy. If you saw him, you would, you wouldn't even know. He's just, he keeps smiling every day. It's, it's just amazing. So when you, when you take into reflection, I guess, everything that you've been through and, and what little Noah is experiencing now and the harness community and how that's helped you, what would be your message, I guess, to other people going through a difficult time and how they can rely on their sporting communities to really help them? Just reach out. Like, don't hide. Don't think you're alone because a lot of people don't know how to approach you, like, they don't know what to say um, and they don't want to upset you and that. But half the time, like, you can just go up and say, hey, mate, do you want a drink or how are you mm. going? Like, is there anything I can do? Like, I asked Prue when he got diagnosed, what I, what can I do? She said, come over and have a wine with me and bring a cheese platter. So I yeah. try and do that every week. Yeah. And that that's all they need. Like, you just need people to be there. Like, you don't actually have to do things all the time. It's just being there. Send them a message like, how are you going? And, like, if they don't reply... They can't always, like, it is hectic, but just Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Because it's, everything can get very competitive when you're in the world of sport and it's, it's you know, it's the night at GP or it's the grand final or, you, you know, you've got a big race or whatever it is. But when you strip all that back, uh, the community uh, that, that is there that you've known for, for many, many years, that has been one of the, the strongest pillars of support for you. Yeah, definitely. Like when I hear things like, oh, everyone's in harness for the money, you know, no one cares and all that. Like it, uh, you hear things like that all the time and you just go, just take a step back. Like literally just look at what they do for other people. Like myself alone, my, my mum could not handle like the amount of support we had. Like she was, cause she was like, obviously we'll do everything we can. And when they helped that much, she was just so taken back and she just couldn't believe the support that we got from everyone. Well, Kiara, you are an inspiration and uh, that's why we really wanted you to be part of our Ladies on the Lounge edition and and we really thank you for sharing such personal details uh, because this is a platform and a family like exactly what you've just been describing and and hopefully your story can help another person or another family or even inspire someone else to, to go get their breast checked as well and we really thank you for being here on the Tab Touch Lounge. No worries. Thank you so much. Thank you.